part of the beauty of friendship is that um, um, with the word community, there's kind of a, a, a sense of sameness with friendship. There's diversity in that, and there's there's relationship. You know, it's not that, it's not that we're together because we agree on everything. Uh, that we're friends because we are, you know, we, we work together through things and we have a relationship. Welcome to the Habit Podcast: Conversations with Writers About Writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. I've known Greg Wilbur for more than 30 years. We met in the early 90s, not long after we had both moved to Nashville, and we've been friends ever since. Greg is a founder of New College Franklin and now Dean of Students. He lured me out of academic retirement around 2011, and we've taught together at New College for 10 years. Greg is also a composer and a church musician. He recently released a new album of hymns and psalms called Securely I Will Dwell, Songs for the Church. Greg Wilbur, I sure am glad to have you on the Habit Podcast today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Your new project is an album of um, hymns and songs for the church called Securely I Will Dwell. Yes. Tell me about it. Yes, it's uh, it's 14 songs. It's uh, hymns and psalms and some service music as well that uh, um, have a variety of, of friends participate in in terms of uh, bringing these songs to life. But primarily, these are things that I wrote for our local congregation mm -hmm. and, uh, and now have gathered these together um, in a form that kind of actually essentially walks through the idea of a worship service from a prelude to a benediction with uh, different uh, pieces along the way, whether confession or communion or songs about the word, but it moves, um, moves thematically through uh, various psalms and hymns. Uh, you said service music. I, what what does that term mean? Uh, pieces that are used, like you know, occasionally, like, for, like a benediction or a um, uh, a curie or um, response. Uh -huh. Like for example, um, one of the songs is basically a single verse, um, single single lyric, which is a um, more of a response. We've turned it into something a little bit more than that, but yeah. then the pieces that are used in uh, uh, in response to various elements of the service. Yeah, you mentioned that um, you've got a lot of friends involved, um, and many of them from Nashville uh, or Franklin, uh, and many of them not. So uh, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, you know, there's a, I, I kind of, I have a kind of a unique um, place in that uh, as, a, as a songwriter, as a composer, I am not usually the one who presents my own work. Um, mm. And so that I, I rely on others to do so. Yeah. So I have a variety of singers and and players who who have you know selected or have been friends who who um, who have taken that on, and that's been people that uh, some people I've known for a long time, some people I've become friends with in the last few years, um, but who are willing and and um, to be part of the project. And so it's it's fun sharing that aspect with them and seeing what they bring to it. Mm -hmm. A collaborative uh, collaborative work. Yeah, I had not. It, it wasn't until you just said what you said that it occurred to me. A composer, the difference between a composer and a <laughs> songwriter is the composer almost never performs his or her own work. Right. Is that, is that the difference? Well, no, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know, probably in in, uh, in in normal parlance, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, a songwriter uh, that would be, and a composer would be different kind of genres. Mm. You know, you think of a composer, you think more serious music and, uh, you know, like, you know, orchestral or film scores or things like that. And songwriter would be more... Um, um, more songs with lyrics, you know, that type of, that type of shorter form. And yeah. so it's, it's um, you know, there's, there's both and, 
But I mean, it's it's different in the world of like you know streaming and so forth. When uh, we we so easily identify the artist of a song with the person who's singing it, mm-hmm. not necessarily the person who uh, who created it. So it's kind of like it's kind of odd. So in terms of even like the um, the cover design, as uh, you know, the one unifying factor is that these are all songs that um, that I wrote or, or wrote with you know collaboratively. But then there's a whole bunch of other people who sang the songs, and they're part of this project as well. So it's yeah. It's both and. Yeah. Um, the lyrics you you wrote and co-wrote the lyrics. Um, or or yes, uh, some some original, some um, co-wrote, but then uh, others are uh, old hymn, t- uh, hymn lyrics or uh, uh-huh. versified psalms that I've set okay. to music that's more um, more singable or accessible. Yeah. To congregation. Mm-hmm. The versified psalms. Did you versify the psalms or you just rounded those up from? Rounded those up from yeah. from various older psalters, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always, you know, a little jealous of musicians who just about can't do what they do without collaboration. Um, and uh, you know, instead of writers, you know, like me, have to sit alone and for the most part <laughs> do what we do. Um, but so many, so many collaborators mm-hmm. on this. Um, you, you used a phrase um, in an email to me that that I want to know what you what you mean by this. You, you talked about um, artistic vision in other people's hands, mm-hmm. which sounds a little bit like a negative way of saying collaboration to me. Um, you know. It sounds to me like collaboration is a nice way, a positive way to say it. And handing my vision over to other people, putting it into other people's hands, sounds not as good. I don't. I suspect that's not what you meant. So, uh, so thank you for airing the private. No, actually, I meant that in very much in a very positive way. I, well, I think for me, I think there's two aspects of collaboration. One is the collaboration of uh, of songwriting together, of yeah. uh, of actually bringing creating together. And yeah. I did more of that on this album than I've ever done on any of my past work. Uh, but then the other the other act of of, of collaboration is um, letting other people's uh, expertise and vision of bringing a song to life um, feed into that. So part of that is I I I don't um, you know I have I have specific ideas in terms of of uh, how a song maybe should come together, but at the same time I'm never so sure of myself or. Uh, prideful. Let me put it that way. That sounds that sounds good, right? Uh, that that other people and their giftings can't bring things to the project that I wouldn't have thought of, and so there's that synergy that happens when other people bring their gifts in that things that you would never have thought of and that make it better than it is. Uh, what's different about this particular project, though, is is um, there are two songs that I completely put in the hands of um, the folks who were singing mm-hmm. that. Uh, with the relationship with these with these um actually four folks a husband and wife did one song and uh um um two guys uh, a team um uh, did another but i gave them the song and said and they they created it from ground up from uh, um the the approach they wanted to take the production ideas uh we worked you know we talked about things and made sure that it wasn't out of out of bounds with what the rest of the project was going to be but just left it in their hands like take the song and see um see what happens and what they do what they do to it and so that was very fun 
in uh, in being able to let them have the freedom to to uh, to explore. So, like for the example, one piece um, that Kirk Sowers and um, and Paul Ranheim did, they uh, and I, I told them this ahead of time. I said, like, if you want to change a bit of the melody or add a bridge or whatever, you know, feel free. Let's talk about it. And uh, they said, yeah, let's you know, verse three. It'd be great if we could you know, change the melody here and, and make it a little mm -hmm. bit something different. So they sent me a couple ideas, which that was very kind of them to do so. Listen to them, uh, gave back with feedback, and then just let them loose. And so they then added to it their own touch and their own feel, um, but taking translating uh, translating what I'd written into something that fit them. So it was a yeah. beautiful thing in terms of of the the collaborative aspect of of turning over the, the creation of the track for them. Yeah. For them. Uh, no, uh, no twinge of doubt for you. No. Yeah. Well, twinge. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Because I, one, I trust, I, I trust what uh, Paul and Kirk had done. The other song mm -hmm. was one that Jonathan and Amanda Noel did, mm -hmm. and um, and we'd been friends for a long time. And uh, I, I've, I've, they, um, I've seen what they've done with other people's music, and I've just loved their approach and their understanding of of music. And so it was just an honor to have them involved. The, the funny thing, if I can tell a funny story. Um, is uh, uh they they moved away from nashville years ago like i don't know 16 17 years ago i run into jonathan uh, noel a few times here and there mm -hmm. but i was coming back from a conference in um, um about a year or so ago from south carolina with a group of students and stopped off at a chick-fil-a and um, heard my name and at this other table were jonathan amanda and their children having lunch in this random Chick-fil-A really? off the interstate. And so we wound up talking for about half an hour and I was in the process of, of just catching up on, on life and stuff. And we, we were um, uh, in the process of, of putting together this album. I said, would y'all consider doing a song? Hmm. And I said, absolutely, that'd be great. So we went back and forth on that. So it was just one of those beautifully ordained, you know, random yeah. moments of running into them again and uh, and and pulling them into this project it was just such a such a joy to work with them and yeah. so yeah, from that standpoint I've, I've heard what they've done it's like I don't, I don't whatever they do is going to be lovely and, yeah and so has okay here's a question i'm not surprised to hear you say that you didn't feel a twinge of you know you're 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 a grown-up um <laughs> you're you and i are about the same age um so we're men of a certain age let's say um has that changed since you were younger? If you, if would uh, would twenty seven year old Greg have felt different <laughs> back when we first met? Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we were younger than that when we first met. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Yeah, we knew each other before either one of us were married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, I think I think so, and I think there's there's a number of things that I could point to just in terms of the ways that. Um, um, spiritual understanding and uh, the path that, um, that the Lord led me on in various circumstances and so forth that, uh, you know, you, you, you die to some of those things that you need to die to. And, uh, and that, uh, that surety that your way is always the best way and that you've got the best vision and you've got something special that everybody in the world needs to hear and needs to hear it the way that you want them to hear it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and figure out, well, where is, you know, and I, what is your role? What's your gifting? I mean, it, I, 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 uh, there's lots of new music out there. Uh -huh. And so even, you know, what is the presumption of even trying to introduce a new album to the world? 
Like, what am I saying? Like, do I really, am I really supposed to do this? Is there really something in these songs that I think is important that, that, uh, people need to hear that's going to be helpful to them spiritually or going to be helpful to them through various difficulties of life. And I think what was, what's helped me, I think in that too, is that I write for our church mm. primarily. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm writing for the specific needs and the specific, you know, whether it's a sermon series or time of the year or, or text or, you know, things that are, are working with and associated with who we are as a local, as a local church. Yeah. Yeah, you're not saying you're writing for the church. You're writing for a church. I'm writing for a church. At the corner yeah. of Third and whatever. Church. Yeah. Third yeah. Church in Franklin. Yeah. 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 And so and so the, because of that, it's the very particular aspect of what, what I'm called to with these particular people. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to make a career as a uh, as a musician. Um that's that's another that's another death. Uh, of ambition over the years, you know, that's yeah. not, that's not who God has called me to be. But if, if the Lord can use these songs or if these songs can translate to some other, some other venue, um, then that's just kind of extra. And mm -hmm. so that takes a lot of pressure off too, of, of trying to, um, trying to think through uh, your marketing or what's going to be, um, what's going to grab somebody. It's like, well, I know these are songs that already mean something to me, already mean something to our community mm -hmm. and, and translate. So you know, even the collaborative aspect over the years, whenever somebody walks up to me and says, Hey, you know, we use this song that you wrote in our church, you know, my one, it always kind of surprises me and amazes me. And two, mm -hmm. the next question is, how do you do it? I mean, how does it work in your context? Mm. Um, I'm thinking about what I do with my you know with my church with my musicians here um even to the extent too like even when i when i sing other people's songs i very rarely listen to their original recording for inspiration i'm thinking about here's a song how can i bring this into the context of our congregation and so what is it like and i think this is the fun part for me what is it like for somebody to take something i've written and then translate it into the context in which they're in and that's, yeah. that's a lot and that's also what kind of breathes new life into something that it fits into um, fits into that uh, particular local context can you give me uh, some specifics on what it would mean when you say you know bringing a song you don't listen to the original because you're thinking about uh what the people at cornerstone prez need mm -hmm. from that what do you mean exactly what what might you do differently because it's for the people at that congregation but you talking about what key you're singing in because you know what key they can sing in? <laughs> probably that's not that sometimes right? yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I, well and i think well that's part of uh, with regards to even um um philosophy of leading in worship mm -hmm. that i i want things to be very intuitive mm -hmm. in terms of of the congregation i mean people the general maybe this is too broad a generalization but it seems to me that in general people are less confident in singing and in, in singing in public and singing in church and so and then i think part what can be really daunting for someone who's not experienced in that or comfortable in that is if suddenly there's a key change or an unexpected bridge mm -hmm. or a repeat or something or, or a song they don't know you know that that actually makes it more difficult for them to enter in so i always i mean so even the mu the uh, musical qualities of uh, how I would lead a piece, even my own music on a Sunday morning versus how I'm going to think about it for recording are two different things. Mm -hmm. 
because I want to do it on a Sunday morning in a way that's very, um, very intuitive, mm-hmm. very subconscious that the congregation knows where they're supposed to sing and so forth. So with regards to that, I mean, there are some, there are some songs that, um, uh, you know, sometimes I cut a bridge or I, mm-hmm. uh, the song is verse one, verse two, then a chorus. And I'll just do verse one chorus, verse two chorus, just because I know that it's going to be, it's going to be easier for the church and, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to be able to, to relate to that, um, more easily. And the other thing is, I think there's a, there's a, um, for better or worse, there's a sense of, of when you hear something on a recording that people want to emulate that exactly. So that's mm-hmm. the way that they've heard it. That's the way that um, that they conceive of it. And so despite their resources or people that they have available, they try to recreate the recording as opposed to, well, who who's God put in our midst? What players mm-hmm. do we have? What singers do we have? How can we do that? What key, whatever, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, that we can do it in our in our circumstances. And and that's, it's kind of a, you know, trying to think of an analogy in that is, like you know, there's um, there's a lot of different ways to read Shakespeare to perform Shakespeare. Yeah, you know, into the context of which you're doing it, and not just this is the one way in which you're supposed to 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 say to be or not to be. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a complexity there. There's a way to translate that into different interpretations or to the context in which you which you're doing Hamlet, and it, yeah. and it not not that I'm comparing what I'm writing to Shakespeare. No. <laughs> But, but oh, I was a, trying to picture somebody singing Greg Wilbur songs in sort of, you know, 1940s, uh, you know, uh, USO outfits or yeah. something like that, you know, <laughs> the way people do uh, Midsummer Night's Dream or whatever. Right. <laughs> but but it's, it's it, yeah, it's important. I think that's part of what makes things live on to. And there's, um, I think the best of uh, the best of work has a timelessness to it because it's it's connecting to um significant themes eternal themes and uh and there's a um there's a way in which it can be reinterpreted and continue to be reinterpreted and continue to live uh and and in various forms over time and i think that's a beautiful thing about uh, uh, the creative in the recreative endeavor Mm, yeah um tell me a little bit about you, you mentioned that your collaborators are also friends, some mm-hmm. longtime friends, some some new friends. Um, and I know, you know, even at New College Franklin, you know, when when you and I uh, talk together there, I, I have a strong sense that that your idea of creative work is pretty closely related to your idea of, of friendship, that that friendship is a is a creative force. Um, what does friendship have to do with this record or or for that matter, your work at as the founder and dean of students at New College Franklin. Oh, that's a great question. There's, um, I mean, to to not um, to not dismiss the spiritual side of things. I think that's part of what makes it worthwhile. Mm. That it's kind of the life giving force of that. That it's not. Um, yeah, community gets has become a bit of an overused word you know, for a number of reasons, but I think friendship is maybe even a stronger word. There's a long pedigree with the idea of what friendship means. Part of the beauty of friendship is that um, um, with the word community, there's kind of a, a, a sense of sameness mm-hmm. with friendship. There's diversity in that, and <laughs> yeah. there's there's relationship. You know, it's yeah. not uh, it's not that we're together because we agree on everything. Yeah. Uh, 
that we're friends because we are, you know, we, we work together through things and we have a relationship. And, and I think, you know, Lewis talks about, as Lewis talks about in uh, The Four Loves, about how uh, different friends bring out different things within yeah. us. And uh, and for me, that's very true. There's, mm-hmm. you know, I need that outside perspective. I need someone to challenge me on things uh, and vice versa. And, and to do so in the context of relationship that that makes me, um, I think, makes me a better writer, but also makes me uh, a better human, makes me a better person, makes me a better follower of Christ. That it's, um, it's, it's that um, your collaborative living, right? You know, the, the, that uh, that life together that Bonhoeffer talks about. Um, yeah. And I think, so that's I think kind of essential in terms of of how to go about, you know, with regards to new college. It's education in the context of relationship. Uh-huh. It's 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 um it's not about we want to teach you um, X Y Z things. It's how can we draw out of you through this academic endeavor um, more beautifully what God has called you to be to help in terms of the bearing fruit of that. And I think that's the best of all relationships of friendships so that 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 we're bringing out of each other. Um, the best the, of one another, the, the fruit of, of who we're supposed to be. Yeah. I was going to ask you um, how your role as an, you know, as an educator um, impacts your role as a, as a person who does creative work. And I, I think you just, you know, jumped my claim and answered that question already uh, with this idea of, of drawing out uh, yeah. the best of people, but maybe you maybe you have more to say about that. If you don't, that's okay. I feel like you already gave me a, a pretty good answer to the question I was about to ask. Uh, well, even some of the the uh, I don't want to keep beating the idea of collaboration, but in in the liner notes, which I don't know part of the part of the sad thing about this the streaming world in which we live in, you don't mm-hmm. get all the, uh, yeah. the the liner notes in the same kind of way, um, or even the structure of the album. Kind of like I said, following mm-hmm. as a worship service. But I I um. Uh, I dedicated this album to the senior class from last year mm-hmm. and uh, and then spoke in specific ways of how their fingerprints are on this album, mm. whether it's through conversations we've had or whether direct contribution or whether, you know, joking around about something that turned into a musical idea or, mm-hmm. or whatever, that there's a, there's a very human connection between um, relationship with those students relationship with these uh, other artists that made this work come into being and yeah. and that's that's kind of inescapable um with the way that um the way i don't know with the way that i like to work with the way that this thing has come come full circle and and, and it's been created yeah well i um i love your observation that that friendship um allows for diversity. I mean, there's something about the communities that we find ourselves, um, for lack of a better word, attracted to tend to get a little um, homogenous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would think that, that you know, you know the saying, well, you know, friends are the family you choose. And sometimes <laughs> I think, I'm not sure I chose my friends either. Like, so, uh, when I, when I look at that, my friends, I think I'm not sure I chose these people. Right. Somehow they're in my life, and 
you know, I have people in my life that think I wouldn't even like you if you weren't my friend. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, and the and there there are people who wind up continually crossing your path, whether yeah. you like it or not, right? And 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 so there is relationship that gets that gets formed out of that uh, one way or the other. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a. I think part of this. What do you what do you do with that? Do you lean into that? Like if you if you run into the same person a number of times over a period of years, it's like is that is this something that I should be paying attention to and then yeah. that and not just try to avoid? Um, what's 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 God trying to tell me through that, or what uh, what do I need to learn in uh, in this process as well? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you a a question that if you need a minute to think, I'll let you think, and we'll get Henry to cut out the pause. <laughs> but um, I love hearing you talk about the music of the spheres and, you know, the, you're in the, you're in the quadrivium business. Um, <laughs> and so um, I don't, I don't know what the, I mean, it's too big of a question to say, tell us about the music. Of the spheres. I just want to hear you talk about the music of the spheres and why that idea is important to you <laughs> um, and how it relates to the idea of, of education and cosmology and all these these things. Great, thank you. Oh, and, <laughs> um, that's a that's a great question for, because these things all are interrelated in my own head, and um, I'll see if I can articulate this in a, in a clearer way. Um, the um, the idea of of um, the music of the spheres, which you know historically is the idea that there's a um, there's a song that's being sung by the created order, um, and that uh, has several people commenting on that between Plato and Aristotle and Augustine, et cetera, but um, and Boethius. But moving that aside for a moment, the idea is that um, in speaking the world into being and in singing the world into being in the order that is um, that is inherent creation and Christ upholding. Uh, creation, the cosmos, by the word of his power, that there is a um, um, there's an aspect of of order within how things work together, and that order um, is in Christ, but it's also a reflective of um, of things in relationship to one another. I think we we talk about we think we often think about harmony or or the idea of life as an imbalance. As opposed to harmony, which is one in which things are in tension, mm, yeah, and uh, and so you've got um, uh, this the the work of Christ too from is one of um, bringing shalom, peace, which is you know the rightness of things, which is also uh, the idea of harmony, justice, mm. uh, moving from discord to concord is bringing harmony. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of harmony is is musical, yes, but it's also uh, beyond that in terms of um, when uh, when Scripture talks about having a united heart mm. or um, being of one voice. That uh, there's that aspect of of um, of being soulishly harmonious, being at peace, at rest, and uh, the idea too that you can't you can't bring harmony to others if you're in disharmony with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you know, in in various ways, whether that's how you um, how you keep your schedule in terms of of you know money, health, et cetera, 
or how you keep your relationships or, you know, the, all of these things have ramifications in terms of what it means to live harmoniously. Yeah. And so the connecting point then of what, um, what does it mean to bring order? What does it mean to bring order to those things which are chaotic? And uh, um, recognizing that, you know, we live in a broken world, um, but we also long for the way things were meant to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we're all kind of, there's always kind of that artistic tension, I think, between representing brokenness or uh, only brokenness or only representing, you know, pretty nice things, uh, longing for paradise when there's really that tension of both of those together. Yeah. So even, you know, even theologically, you know, you look at um, um, God is a God is a God of justice, but he's a God of mercy. And it's not that you shave off a bit of justice to make God merciful or, or shave off a bit of mercy. You know, it, he's fully just and fully merciful. Uh, and those things are in tension with one another. But to be God, that he's he's both. And yeah. so harmonization of that as an aspect of order. So the quadrivium in in the, you know, with the arithmetic and geometry and and music and astronomy, that's the the language of language of number, the language of creation, um, the the theological philosophical idea of uh, what does it mean to be uh, to understand the nature and character of who God is through the things that he has made as Roman one Roman one talks about that uh, he's revealed himself um, even his eternal power and his divine nature and since since creation and so that's uh, there's the um, um, that's kind of the path of that and I think historically that's been kind of the path of that so it's not just about math per se or music theory but how the those point towards a larger aspect of, of number and order and then and then what is that what is the application of that in terms of of um of uh you know how we live our own lives in terms of what um what music are we listening to what choices do we make in terms of our time uh what decisions are we making with regards to content of worship or you know all of those things have then a larger conversation than just um you know, a subjective aspect of, of, um, a preference. Um, yeah. You know, preference does lead, you know, there's an aspect of that, but also there's a, there's an undergirding of, of, um, of all of those topics, which are, I think more theologically significant. Um, I love the idea in that in music there, there's order and harmony that that are already exists that we're not, when we make music, we're not inventing, but rather mm-hmm. connecting to um, a, a reality of, as you said, harmony and order that already exists. And for, yeah, and from the medieval perspective too. I mean, the role of a role of a musician was to reflect the um, cosmic divine order in in what they were creating musically, but then also by its creation and by um, performing music by making music actually that sustained the order as well. So it's a reflection of, but also a sustaining of. And so it, it's kind of the choice of like, you, you, you're either making, you're either making things harmonious or you're making things discordant. Hmm. And uh, by making things harmonious, you're adding to the harmony by making things discordant. You're you're fighting against uh, against the uh, harmony and and that doesn't mean too i mean obviously within the context of music you've got um you've got dissonances 
Um, mm. But businesses resolve. You know, they go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a movement there from one place to uh, from the beginning to the end. There is a sense of beginning and ending. And there's a sense of of movement towards um, uh, chords which are um, which bring rest, mm-hmm. and chords which are unrestful. And there and there's you know there's cause to use those. Um, once again, it's that tension between the brokenness and the desire for, you know, for paradise. You know, yeah. you've got both of those at play. Um, but there's a story there. There's a there's a musical story that's being unfolded in within the context of sounds, um, mm-hmm. let alone lyrics. I mean, that's a whole other layer. But even yeah. within music itself, without lyrics, this is still very much at play. Yeah. And I I love the the truth that it's that all this uh, this beauty, this musical beauty, is also mathematical, yes. which is another principle of, of the quadrivium, that, that it's all you know the same language in, in some way. Who was it who said, um, you'll have to help me with the, with both the, the person who said it and what they said, but that um, music is the pleasure of doing math without knowing you're doing math? You know, do you know yes. what I'm talking about? Yes, and uh, and now you, yeah, that's uh, um, maybe it's counting without knowing you're counting, or right. And I can't remember right now if that's um, 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 oh, Euler or Leibniz, or I don't know, one of those more modern uh, uh, mathematicians. But yeah, it's it's the um, it, it's it's inherent in there. I think, and, and that's. I think that's part of the beauty of what um, we take some of the things for granted uh, with regards to music because we think of them in terms of music. But when you start talking about music from other um, from other identifiable vantage points, and you know, talk about the idea of uh, the physicality of resonance, yeah, you know, that um, um, you talk about a you know a glass shattering with a with a voice, or you know, if you're driving your car in between. 25 and 30 miles an hour there's there's something that starts rattling yeah and you, 30 miles an hour it goes away well yeah. you've hit the frequency there in which it's 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 resonant so there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of ways in which um you know music being counting without knowing that you count is that a lot of life can be uh thought through the lens of music we just don't think of it necessarily in those ways mm-hmm. but it's very much true i mean i was talking to someone um um, it was about a year ago. Um, the miracles uh, in the Book of Acts, which refer to Christ a number of times, and realizing that even you know the miracles of bringing healing is one of moving from discord to harmony. Mm, yeah, think something something that has been broken, restoring it to the order in which it was supposed to be to made, and that's a that's a that's a musical. A harmonious aspect. I saw a graph in a book on how engines work, and it was showing how all the various gears of a um, of a steam engine, um, you know, you have the different sizes, and so they hit each other. You know, this the smaller wheel may go around twice, while this larger wheel goes around once, and so forth. And uh, and so you have the frequency with which the wheels intersect. Um, uh-huh. You can graph that out, and when you graph it out, it looks like sound waves. Yeah, and That's so good. these. Yeah, these principles show up again and again in in various uh, in various ways, but it's it's they're, they're all related musically or to the idea of harmonia. Yeah, you you run into I've run into a lot of people who say they like music but they don't like math, and I don't think it's I don't I don't 
think that's true. I think they just think they don't like math because they like music. If you like music, you do like math. Well, and I think I think part of that um, is that we don't always teach math the way that we should, and we teach math in ways in which it's easy to not like math. And, How do you uh, like to teach math? <laughs> I, well, I I think there's a lot of I mean I was when we were when we were um, when my daughter was younger um, um, we realized at some point in time that she thinks about numbers the same way that I do and not the same way as my wife. Mm. So uh, I took over math uh, for her <laughs> during her uh, high school years, but also you know in the college uh, some of the college classes. I mean I think it so often of what I was taught in math is here's the formula now plug in numbers or solve for something, yeah. and it's. Um, and like you've got to get the formula right, and you have to 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 figure this thing out. What? How long is this thing? Or you know, how long is it? The train's going this direction, whatever. You know, and and um, but not often taught the principles behind it or the why. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was t- I was trying to do um, trying to teach about the um, uh, figuring out um, the length of between um, between two points on a on a graph. And there's this complica- complicated formula to go about it. And I realized this is just the Pythagorean theorem. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with a graph. This is just the hypotenuse of, you know, why doesn't anybody talk about that? You know, so the, the part of part of the beauty of numbers and the way that numbers play with one another. And I don't think we, we've lost that sense of, of the play of numbers. And so how, um, how they interrelate that way. And then I, one of the beautiful things that in that I've discovered and that uh, in terms of teaching too it's just the beauty of doing geometry with a good compass drawing <laughs> math yeah you know, there's there's such satisfaction with drawing well a perfect almost perfect circle and making straight lines and seeing those things come together and seeing those i mean most of uh, most of, there's a whole book on euclid's um uh, in euclid's elements which is algebra but he doesn't use numbers mm. it's drawings huh. but he's illustrating algebra but without using formulas like this is brilliant i mean if we could you know you're you're you have things to look at you have things to make you can create these things with your hands with a compass with a straight edge and then it makes sense yeah and i think we we, we skip to the numbers and the, the 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 quantitative aspect of math and we leave out the qualitative aspect there's a uh, a book that i think i got from you called mathematics with a non-mathematician mm-hmm. would i've gotten that from you possibly yeah klein yeah I, I love that book. I've never gotten through it because it starts getting a little hard after chapter two or so. But um, but for one 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 thing I love about that book is it, it shows how the uh, the ancients figured out the circumference of the Earth mm-hmm. very accurately. Um, anyway, I we're, we're um, uh, math uh, mathematics for human flourishing. Oh, um, I know that book. Uh, Francis Sue. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, I do know that book. <laughs> he, yeah. he came on this podcast to talk about it one time. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful book too. Just on on the the uh, the discipline of yeah of, of math in a uh, in a beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was embarrassing to say I didn't know that book. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're about to run out of time. Um, I, I didn't prepare you for this question. Hopefully, you'll you'll be uh, able to answer it off the top of your head. Because uh, you did, you did pretty well with uh, the uh, music of the spheres off the top of your head, so this may be easier. That is, who, what what are the writers that make you want to want to write, or the musicians that make you want to make music? Where do you? Hmm. Where does yeah. your desire to to go make stuff 
come from? Oh, you know, the, uh, the, um, the authors that I gravitate towards, and this is not that, not that I would could potentially emulate them, but, uh, it's, it's people like Flannery O'Connor or mm -hmm. Ethan or Graham Greene that, that are, um, they're writing strong stories with rich layers mm -hmm. and, and there's a, there's a whole context and subtext of what's going on there. And it's, you know, it's operating on a number of, of different levels. And I, I love the, uh, even the sacramental aspect of that too, that, that things yeah. matter, that matter matters, you know, yeah, uh, in the metaphysical sense. And in terms of music, I mean, there's, you know, I dip my hands into a number of different things uh, and different uh, uh, genres here and there. Um, I, the last few years, I've just really enjoyed the choral music of Olegelo. Um, mm. Beautiful pieces that are not necessarily so complicated, but are um, um, just glorious vocally and exploring those sounds. The 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 older I get, too, the um, the more um, the more simple I think I enjoy mm. music um, in That's terms of more stripped down, more essential. Yeah. Um, and from where I started in in, in uh, studying music to uh, you know, aspects of even chant or four part chant or um, things which are more essential to what music is. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, when I was young, going through school, I was much more interested in being impressed than I am now. Right there, there were the, the complexity. There, there's certain. I feel differently, for instance, about. 17th century poetry, which is so impressive. Mm -hmm. And I still love it in, in many ways, but I don't love it the same way I did when I was going through school, which I, I was just so impressed that these people could do these really complex things with, you know, metaphysical conceits and stuff. And I'm just not as interested in metaphysical conceits as I used to be. <laughs> um, and I wonder if that's just a function of getting a little older. I don't know. Maybe so. Yeah. Well, Greg Wilbur, thank you so much for being. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and and uh, I'm excited about your your new album, and I hope a lot of uh, people and a lot of churches benefit from it. So, uh, so thanks for being here. Uh, it's always good to see you, Johnny. This podcast is brought to you by the Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community, and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.